Matt Stepp, I used my clever intro yesterday, so do you have a clever intro? Uh... Tep and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos, your uh, weary warriors at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I'm Step, Matt Step. Thanks for joining us on this, the second Tep and Step podcast we've recorded in the last 24 hours. Yes, uh, it is. It has been it, it's been a slog and we, we are. We are sacrificing our bodies for you, the loyal DCTF insiders. I think people person. may not. I think people may not realize that, like, this is not just like turn on the the microphone and talk. Like, this is draining. You know, this is this takes a lot of a lot of thought. And a lot of work. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're in, in reality, Tepper, we're heroes. I mean, for doing this, yeah, we're really heroes. I mean, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't want to be the first one to say it, but I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah, we're heroes. Uh, this is your week four review, but most importantly, your week five preview for 2020 here on Tep and Step. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. We certainly hope you will tell a friend. We will get into some week four cleanup. Look ahead to week five, do our game draft coming up in a moment. But first, Matthew, we will start as we always do with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Matt Step. Of the, uh, I guess of the five 11-man UIL classifications, which of the classifications has the longest standing record for most touchdowns in a season? Much touch, I should say most touchdown passes in a season. I should be very clear about that. Who has the, what classification has the longest standing record? Team or classification? Sorry. Cla- classification. So, for example, I will tell you that the newest one, it is not 2A because Peyton Bevel set that for Stanford in with 57 touchdown passes in 2018. What is What classification has the longest standing passing season? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to – I'm going to say 5A. Wow. Matt Stepp, you're right. It's Boom. 5A. Do you know who holds the 5A record? Mm, is it, um, is it, is it, uh, is it like Coy Detmer at Mission? In- uh, it is Graham Harrell. Okay, Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell yeah. in 2000, his, two th- his 67 touchdown passes in 2003 are still uh, the, uh, the longest standing uh, of those. Of the season single passing season season single season good lord single season touchdown passes record five A is the oldest it's sixty seven with Graham Harrell uh, then uh, after that it's the six A record which is Greg McElroy ah. at South Lake Carroll in 05. then it is Travis Quintanilla in three A what was in three A uh, or no he was playing in two A but it is it is now three now three A yeah correct. At 68 touchdown passes. Then Nick Gerber, the all-time leader, uh, has the 4A record that he set in nine, in 2016. And then uh, the aforementioned Peyton Bevel at Stanford in 2018. So there you are. 
your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Okay, Matthew, I want you to um, tell me a little bit about what you thought of um, week five, week four. I, I, I kind of came away from the week four Texas high school football uh, uh, action really impressed with, I think, three teams that established themselves as clear number ones in Argyle, Shiner, and uh, Brock. I thought that those were probably the three mm-hmm. most impressive teams. But maybe aside from those teams, who are the ones that stood out to you? I thought West Orange Stark and, and just how good they looked in their in their opener, having gone through what they've gone through uh, the past few weeks with the hurricane and kind of the, the damage to their town and their school. Um, I thought West Orange start um, the way they handled Newton. And, and, you know, of course, Cornell Thompson gets on Fox Southwest and is talking about everything they did wrong when they won 70 to nothing. I mean, come on, coach. Jeez, Give him a little bit of a love here. I mean, but that's just how Coach Thompson is. And, and he, he expects a lot out of his kids. And and he, he you know, that that's just the West Orange Stark way. But I'm very impressed with West Orange Stark um, and, and the way they played. Um you know, I continue to be impressed with Joaquin down in 2A, and, you know, another big win for them. They're, they're, they keep moving up the rankings uh, to, mm-hmm. to number five. And I thought San Saba in a loss to, to Leno um, on a Friday night in, in Leno impressed me. You know, they really – they felt like they should have won the game. When you look at San Saba, a 2A Division One team on the road playing a 3A Division One team that had just moved down from Class 4A – uh, that that's pretty impressive from San Saban. That, that's what I would quantify as a quote unquote good loss um, in, in that game. Um, and then how about Sweetwater going down to Bernie and getting a big, big win over a state ranked Bernie team. I thought that was a huge turning point win for Ben McGee's uh, ball club as Sweetwater, I think is starting to creep up the, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think they're ready to be state ranked in the top 10 yet, but I thought Sweetwater, I think Sweetwater is now in that top 25, top 20 discussion. Yeah, I think so. That was that was awful impressive. Uh, teams that that I was I was uh, I thought kind of jumped out to me as uh, putting together a really nice uh, putting a really nice uh, week four together. It was um, you know it it was weird. It was, it was kind of hard to draw like a like an overall like theme to the week four because I think because it was like all the results were kind of scattered and, and things like that. I think you you also saw you know I think it's worth mentioning that like. I, I, you know, you saw kind of a, an increase in cancellations across the, across the, the state. And, and that is, those are in the small school ranks. The cancellations are still coming. Although I would say, would you say at the same rate as last week? Yeah, I, I think it's about the same as last week. I mean, the numbers may be higher because there's most more schools playing. Um, but I, I think the rate of cancellations is probably very similar. Yeah, it's, it's it's looking like what you, what we last week it was about what we, we kind of estimated between depending on like the six man ranks it's somewhere between like seven percent and ten percent of games got got canceled or somehow changed uh, last week and that's not that's not entirely all due to the coronavirus but it, you know a, a decent chunk of them um, and so something of course to keep an eye on as the bigger schools get going because here we are into week five. The big schools have joined the party. We are now into uh, 6A and 5A, uh, enjoying uh, getting to play a little bit of of football. Not all of them right away, but uh, a large chunk of them. And so we're going to do what we always do here on Tep and Step, which is our game draft. We're going to go back and forth, selecting games that we are most interested in. Once it is selected, it is off the board. Uh, We'll go five rounds, and then, of course, we'll have our hipster game of the week. But Matthew, we did the coin toss before the podcast. You won the coin toss. 
Uh, I think you rigged it, but that's you know. That's, yeah, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and accuse you. Um, but what is your first choice uh, with what I suppose is the most full slate of games that we've had so far? So my first choice is. I got to go to Houston, and I got to go with the battle of defending state champs um, from 6A Division One and 5A Division One as uh, Shadow Creek visits North Shore in a just a you talk about just in, in your game for bang for the buck most talent on the field uh, it's got to be Shadow Creek and North Shore because the talent in this game is just going to be just through the roof. You got two D one quarterbacks in uh, Demetrius Davis and Kyron drones. Uh, Davis committed to Auburn drones, committed to Baylor uh, Houston commits CJ Guidry, Randy masters, the Baylor commit at wide receiver for shadow Creek. Uh, Terrence cooks is a big time uh, offer offer guy for shadow Creek's defense. Um, and you, know, you got two D one recruits in the secondary for shadow Creek and uh, Jalen Emery, the Houston commit Jalen lane, the UNLV commit. You look at North shore, Aside from Davis, they've got an Auburn commit on the offensive line. They've got a and commit Shadrach Banks at wide receiver. Um, they've got Charles King at wide receiver, another uh, D1 prospect. Um, they've got the DB, Denver Harris, who's getting a bunch of – I mean, this is a – if you're a prospect hound, this is the game mm-hmm. to go to. Um, I think I think this game comes down to me, and I said it all, on, on the show today in the mailbag, um, but I believe that um, the biggest thing that, that separate – that's going to be the thing to watch is Shadow Creek – they they haven't run into a team that can match up with them athletically um, like North Shore can in the, in their two years of playing varsity football ro- rolling up a thirty one and one record I don't think they've run into anyone who is their match man for man skill skill position wise like like North Shore can match them and I want to see how Shadow Creek reacts to that um, North Shore is a team to beat in Houston they got some holes no doubt with graduation but I think North Shore. You, you look at North Shore, I think they're the favorite in this game. They're, they're the big dog, and until proven otherwise, I think I think they're the team to beat. But I think Shadow Creek has the ability to push them. Oh, I think so, absolutely. And and, and what's interesting, like, so Shadow Creek um, makes the move from 5A to 6A. This will be their fifth ever game against the 6A program. They played, uh, each of the last two years, they played Humble Summer Creek, uh, who was pretty good in 2018 and then kind of meh in 2019. Uh, and then they played. They played both them both in 2018 and 2019. And then in 2018, 2019, they also played Aleph Elsick, who has kind of been riding the struggle bus lately. So uh, this is, I would say, un- I mean, look, it's it's kind of obvious to say this is kind of undoubtedly the toughest, the, the biggest six A opponent that they've ever faced. Like, Absolutely. I mean, North Shore's North Shore's North Shore, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, they're they're the two-time defending 6A Division One state champ. So if you want to prove yourself, here's a great opportunity for, for Shadow Creek to prove themselves uh, to, uh, to, you know, right out of the gate. Now, look, I also don't think that Shadow Creek necessarily needs to win this game in order to be, prove themselves as a, a bona fide contender in 6A. Because remember, they are – I need to pull up the my, my spreadsheet here. Uh, are they guaranteed to go Division Two? They, they should no, be, right? I, they're likely Division Two, but I don't think they're guaranteed. I don't have the enrollments in the front. Of, let me look at the enrollments real quick. I'm sure you're doing the same they thing. They are. Are there two teams smaller than 26, 30, 73? Strake is smaller than them? No, they are guaranteed to go Division Two. Okay. They're, the, they're right. the second smallest school in that district. There they're you guaranteed go. to go Division Two. So, again... And, and we've kind of talked about, uh, you know, on, on the podcast yesterday about how there's a lot of where all eyes are going to be on where Katie goes. Do they go Division One or Division Two? But, I mean, you in in Region 2, I'm sorry, Region 3 of Division 2, 
they would be at the very least one of the two biggest contenders come out of that region. Uh, so I don't necessarily need to see them win this game, but I would say if they go out there and they're really competitive and especially kind of putting together all the nuts and bolts around the stars that they have, then like suddenly like the Shadow Creek stock can go up even if they were to come up short in this game. I, I agree. I think if Shadow Creek just plays North, I mean, they play North Shore tough. I think that is the indicator that that in 6A Division 2, especially Shadow Creek's a contender. I think those North Shore is a big dog in 6A Division 1, and I think you look at Shadow Creek, and this is kind of their litmus test in 6A right off the bat. Um, they got two of them. They got North Shore and Bridgeland next week. So I think Shadow Creek comes out and is competitive in this game. I think they justify um, where their lofty preseason rankings are, and I think it justifies them as a real contender in Division 2. I, I definitely agree with you. I'm, they do not have to win this game to to justify their place in the rankings. But then again, they've never lost a regular season game. No, <laughs> never. They they are twenty and zero in regular season <laughs> games. Uh, that I think that's the obvious pick for the for 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 one one. Uh, my selection for my pick is going to be, uh, and not just because, but not not because I will be part of the broadcast, but. Four o'clock at AT&T Stadium in Arlington on Friday. It'll be the first high school football game, uh, and only this—I I guess like the—it's first high school football game played at AT&T Stadium, or second actually, because Burleson and Burleson Centennial are playing, right? Play Thursday, yeah. Play Thursday. So the third uh, or the second high school football game since the state championship games uh, at AT&T Stadium. It is the number one team in 5A Division One, Denton Ryan, taking on Arlington Martin, who I want to say is number like 11 in our rankings. Number 12? I, I thought 13. I have 13 in my head for some reason. That sound, they're in that rank. They are number yeah, 11. But, they're not. Yeah, okay. Number 11. Um, and, and look, this is a really fun matchup uh, for a lot of different reasons. I think that like and again, kind of it, it depends if if you want a little bit if you depending on what you go to high school football games for, uh, this is a game that's going to have something for you. If you are in it for like superstars, like Ryan's got superstars to burn. I mean, this team is loaded with Jatavian Sanders, with Billy Bowman, linebacker DJ Arkansas, uh, the quarterback Seth Hennigan. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded for bear. Uh, with superstars. Uh, if you are into really good coaching matchups, I think this is a really fun coaching matchup with Dave Hennigan for Ryan and Bob Wager at, at Arlington Martin. Two of the two of the more, I would say, innovative and like um, uh, progressive coaches who just like think outside the box. They always they they always seem to have a wrinkle. Every mm-hmm. every game they have something. Oh yeah, um, especially on and, special teams. Uh, absolutely. Um, and then you've got like questions about. I think you've got a great opportunity. Look, you know, Ryan starts the year number one in in our in our rankings, and so I don't need to go into depth about how much we like them. Martin, I think, straddles that line between like top tier and second tier for me right now. Um, there's a lot of things I like about him. I think quarterback Zach Mundell is is really pretty underrated. Um, I think their defense has a chance to be really, really good with Maurice Blackwell and Ernest Cooper. I think they have a chance to be really, really solid. And a win in this game could kind of vault them into that upper tier of 6A. Now, part of it is that, you know, they go, they'll be in the Division One bracket 
it, mm-hmm. you know, it, although, you know, and that's in, in region one, which is no fun, but they are a team that I think is one of those teams, maybe on the cusp of breaking through Ryan is kind of, uh, you know, this is the site of the heartbreak from last year where they came up just short yeah. to shadow Creek, uh, for the, for the state championship. Um, the, the other thing for me, and, and I mean, you could say this about pretty much every game this week is like, this is the strangest week one in six, eight and five, a history. Cause it's yeah. later. Cause uh, they, it's you know, weird. They, it, it's, it's just going to be odd. And so, you know, I've, I know we've come on this, uh, I've said on, on, on TFT and, and I think we've said on Tep and step that like, I've actually been pretty impressed overall with the quality of play in high school football in the early goings. Um, I think it's been crisper than maybe I feared. I thought that I thought we were, I really thought there was a good chance we were going to go out there and like, there were going to be guys who like were running the wrong way. Like, because, you know, yeah. I only kind of mean that, but like, because look, they haven't had as much practice and like, they haven't had meetings and installs and stuff like that. I've actually been pretty impressed overall with the quality of play. Uh, here's another big test with an extra month to, to get some practice undergo, uh, under their belt. Um, th- this is kind of because of the new normal that we're existing in, in 6A and 5A. This is, I think, a really, really fascinating matchup that uh that that you know two two coaches that are known for having great game plans coming off of the strangest offseason ever with with talented teams who can make deep runs like i'm, I'm really interested yeah i i'm interested because i want to see how didn't didn't ryan is a team that that is super front loaded with talent but they're not real deep I want to, you know, Martin is going to have a major depth advantage with Denton Ryan in this game. Martin doesn't have guys that go both ways. Denton Ryan has several players that play on both sides of the ball and are key contributors, especially early in the season when the conditioning is not where it's going to be later on in the year. How does that affect Denton Ryan? So I'm really int- intrigued to see that. And also, I think the Denton Ryan, the, the question that I had, and this was the question in the state title game last year, Denton Ryan's offensive line really struggled against that Shadow Creek defensive front. Um, Arlington Martin's got Maurice Blackwell, who's committed to Texas, and Ernest Cooper, who has has offers from just about everyone on that defensive front seven. Can the Denton Ryan offense hold up against that Martin pass rush? Because if not, I mean, Seth Hennigan's going to be running for his life, and that's not a good recipe for Denton Ryan in this game. No, absolutely. That's 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 going to be really interesting because the other thing is is you talk about. Like Bob Wager is aggressive, especially defensively. He's a guy who's going to get after. He's not going to be afraid to send numbers. And if the Ryan offensive line is not ready for that, then they could really feast. And that could make it for a, a really long, long afternoon for, for Seth Hennigan in the offense. But, you know, we'll see. It's it's going to be week one. It's a really interesting matchup there. Uh, Denton Ryan and Arlington Martin. That is my first pick. What is your second pick? I'll take the nightcap at AT&T Stadium. Why not? Um, two of the big name programs in Texas high school football, I think they have over 800 wins. Or it's mm-hmm. Longview and Temple are two of the real you know, legacy programs in Texas high school football. And I think it's a great nightcap uh, for AT&T Stadium and the UIL 100 celebration. I can um, tell you they are in Class 6A. They are number one Temple at 774 and number three Longview at 737. So, yeah, you're talking about two of the most decorated programs in, in Texas high school football history. Yeah, and, and they're meeting up to op- open the season. And, and, you know, they have some history. They've played in the playoffs recently. Um, you know, Temple's now in you know, a 6A program. And Long- Longview's now a 5A program in Division One. Temple remained in 6A after realignment. And this is the first game for Longview in the uh, – 
post Haynes King era. And I think you've, you've mentioned it. Uh, you know, this is the, we're going to see, I think, a, a, a back to the future sort of approach with Longview and going back to them lining up in the eye formation, a lot, a lot of power sets and really going back to uh, the Longview bread and butter football that we, we got really accustomed to under um, John King. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Caden Meredith is the, is going to be the bell cow back, but he's not the typical big and physical long view back. Um, he's more of a scat back and more of a, of a slasher. So I think long view is going to have to develop some other, I, I don't think they can give the ball to Caden Meredith 30 times for an entire season and have him hold up. I think they're going to have to develop some uh, other secondary options and kind of give, you know, make Meredith an 18 to 20 carry guy and then have their number two guy get about 10 to 12 carries a game. Um, They do have a great wide receiver. Jalen Hale's a big time prospect. He's a sophomore and he is a a stud. Uh, But, you know, will Longview have a guy who can get the ball out to him consistently? Um, I think Temple um, is very young and very talented. Uh, A.J. McDuffie and Samari Howard are kind of the, the, the leaders of, of the team and the veteran leaders. But, they, you know, Mikhail Harrison Pilot is a sophomore. He, we think he's going to take over at quarterback. Torian York is another sophomore linebacker who played a lot as a freshman last year. Um, Temple's got a great sophomore class, but they're sophomores and it's week one. And they're playing Longview. That's a lot to ask of, of anybody, much less a group of sophomores. So, Looking at that, look, I think Longview has enough veteran experience, even though they don't have Haynes King anymore, to uh, get the job done and, and, and get themselves a uh, uh, early season win at AT&T Stadium. Yeah, this is like – I don't I, – I honestly – okay, so you kind of you mentioned it. Like we, we think we have a pretty good idea of what – Longview is going to look like and it's just going to kind of look like what Longview has typically looked like under John King which is just super physical and they're going to run the ball and they're going to like they're you know they're they're not they're probably not going to throw the ball as much as they did with Haynes King uh, but they're just going to kind of be what Longview typically is which is a just a hard-nosed blue-collar team that that, that kind of grinds you out and, and and outmuscles you Temple I think this team's a mystery like they they could like a lot of this depends on what this younger group looks like. Now I know there are people down there who are really bullish on 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 kind of the youngsters here. You know, uh, most notably like this junior class. I think there's a lot of r- good talent coming up through the junior class. Um, how quickly do they mature? How quickly are they ready? Temple is one of those teams that, like for example, in the computer rankings, they started the year. Jeez, where they where they start? Um, come on, computer. They started the year like I want to say in like the fifties in six A. Yeah, fifty six. Started the year fifty sixth, uh, right behind San Antonio Reagan and right ahead of Fort Bend Travis. Not a bad place to be. It means we got some respect for it, but basically right outside the top fifty. This is one of those teams that like the only thing that would really shock me is if they finished like right there. Like, if they finish, like, right there, like, ah, you know, pretty good, but not great. Like, this strikes me as the kind of team that, like, I could see struggling. I could see just not really being able to put it together. They're missing a couple of key pieces. They're just not experienced enough, especially in what what figures to be a pretty tough district. I could also see them putting it together and us talking like, oh, wow, Temple's really good, and they're going to be really good next year, too. Like, that's, they're they're the, of course, I'm interested in what Longview looks like, but, like, they're the intrigue for me. 
they like they're, they're a very high ceiling team, I think, because of the, some of the talent they have. I think I think the variance with Temple is a lot great. I think, we, like you said, I think we know what we're getting with Temple. I mean, with Longview, I, I think with Temple, it could be really high ceiling or really low floor at least early on because of their youth. Yeah, Longview. Longview feels like we know. Like we know that. I think that. I think Longview has a pretty high floor. If that makes sense. Like a bad Longview year would be. And I don't know how many. I'm, I don't have their schedule, so it's possible they're not playing ten games. But like, would be in a normal year like eight wins. Like if they went like eight and three, that would be like a really like that would be a, a pretty disappointing year for Longview this year. Um, but the, you know, sixteen and zero or, or state championship is certainly within the realm as well. Temple, it seems like it's just much wider berth, like just a much wider range of possibilities there for Longview. So, uh, good, good choice, good choice. Um, all right, I'm going to go with a game that for my second pick, I'm going to go with a game that would absolutely be the biggest game in the state last week if we were in the pre six A and five A days, because we're going to go to Jeff Trailer Stadium out uh, in, yes. out in Gilmer. And we're going to talk about Gilmer and Carthage in a just a monstrous matchup that I think because everyone's so focused on 6A and 5A, nobody's really paying attention to the fact that this is number one versus number four. Like this, this is one of those under the radar games through no fault of their own, just because like the newness of the big schools have, have come in. But this game is, I mean, this is one of the premier games of all of non-district right here. Um, and what you've got here, there's there's a lot of different layers here. First of all, let's talk for a moment about Gilmer, because I don't think, I think for a team that's ranked number four, we haven't spent a ton of time talking about them. Uh, they are extremely solid. They're 4-0, obviously. I think they've got a really nice resume. Uh, with a win over Henderson, uh, a win over, like a bludgeoning of Atlanta. That Gladewater win, I think, has aged pretty well. And then there's last week. And last week, they go and take on uh, Lindale and fall behind, like, huge. Like, they were down 28-8 to after one. They were down 35-14 at halftime. And then they rally and find a way back through a huge game from uh, from Brandon Tennyson, who had 263 yards passing, four touchdowns, ran for 134 and a score. And, like, something clicked in the second half for Gilmer. Now, I presume that Coach Metzl would prefer if they don't do that, like, that they don't fall behind to a good team, because if they do that to Carthage, they're probably not getting up. But I will say that... I think Brandon Tennyson is a pretty underrated quarterback. Um, a guy who's really impressed me so far. Uh, the junior kind of taking over the, the quarterback spot. Um, he's got weapons like Dylan Flewellen. He's, he's got guys all over. I, mean, there's, there, I think, by the way, you know there's another Flewellen? There's a lot of Flewellens running around Gilmer. So Dylan, and then there's Rohan Flewellen. There's just a lot of Flewellens around there. Um, but they are, they are a legit contender that I feel like because maybe they're not Carthage or Pleasant Grove, like nobody's talking about them, or West Orange Dark. Like they are perfectly suited as just like cruising along. And then there's Carthage, of course, the defending 4A Division I champs who are now dropping down to 4A Division II. And, well, we just don't know anything about them because we haven't seen them in a month. 
Yeah, Carthage is in this weird spot where they pull, they looked good in their opener, beat a good Kilgore team, twenty-seven to seven, and then they didn't have a game scheduled uh, week two. They didn't have a game scheduled week four. They had a game scheduled in week three, but Hurricane Laura uh, ended that. So Carthage has been sitting around for three weeks. They've been oh, sitting oh, around four weeks, really, really. They four played. Weeks. Yeah, they played on August twenty-eighth. They beat Kilgore twenty-seven to seven. A nice win. They looked pretty good doing it. Since then, crickets. Just like nothing. And and so now you have four and zero versus one and zero. And now look, I have a pretty good idea of what of how good Carthage is. Oh, and by the way, after this game, they take another week off before they play Pleasant Grove. Like. Or at least that's what's scheduled right now. Hang on, let me um, check. Hang on. I think Carthage plays Pleasant Grove next week. Do they play next week? Okay. I believe so. Yeah, Carthage, now, they have, they're, they're playing every week now. They don't have any more. Their, their buys are okay. done. Carthage plays every, okay. cross our fingers, COVID doesn't happen. Correct. But yeah, Carthage has games scheduled the rest of the, every every week for the regular season. So the early returns on the, the big question coming into the year, I thought was going to be on the Carthage defense. The early returns are good. You beat Kilgore 20 to 7 to 7. But, like, we also haven't seen you, and we're, you're also playing a much more high-powered offense with uh, with Gilmer. Um, I am really fascinated by this game because there's, like, there's so many things that are just beyond the X's and O's and the players. Like, there's just so many, like, things surrounding it that make this, like, such a, such a really interesting matchup and an opportunity for Gilmer to, like, stand up and raise their hand and be like, nah, it's us, guys. Like, we're the East Texas team you've been looking for. This is the chance for Gilmer. I, I think this is really where where I think Gilmer's been overshadowed for the past few years, and I think this is really their chance. If they can make a statement this week and get that win over Carthage, I think that immediately puts Gilmer back in that discussion of their state title contender. Right now, they're, they're in the top ten. They're kind of hanging around, but they it's kind of understood that you know Carthage, Pleasant Grove, West Orange, Stark are kind of above them. I think Gilmer breaks through in this game. This will be a really a signature win and really their first one in a few years. Yeah, it's it is, and 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 Gilmer's kind of been looking for that breakthrough. And how how long has Coach Messel been there? This is his first year. This that's right. This is his first year. He's been, he's been at Gilmer for a while, but this is his first yeah. year as a head coach. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about winning over the community? You want to talk about like them being like, "Hey, all right, we like this guy." Uh, you go beat Carthage. Uh, people will stand up real quickly. So that's my pick. I'm going to go with Carthage and Gilmore uh, for my second pick. What is your third pick for week five, Matt? This is where it gets tough because there's a lot of choices here. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's 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 bec- when you add in six A and five A, it was already going to be like a nice week in the small schools. Like it was a nice week, maybe not the best week we've had, but like because week one, a lot of coaches are like, let's just schedule a banger in week one. There's mm-hmm. just a lot of bangers. Let's go with uh, I'm gonna go small school uh, in class three A as four and O Ballinger visits four and O Lano in a real uh, underrated matchup between a big country and a hill country team. Um, Ballinger, you know, they're four and O, but they they haven't other than that blowing out Colorado City, which you know, no offense to Coach Ganey and our, our buddy at Colorado, they're struggling right now. Yeah. Ballinger, they've kind of scraped by on a lot of their wins. They they scraped by last week against Clyde. 
down 14 to seven in the fourth quarter. They scored two touchdowns to win. Now they've been great in the clutch, uh, but they haven't been super dominant either. Um, that concerns me a little bit. Now the defense for Ballinger, you know, only allowing seven and a half points a game lights out. That defense is going to get tested this week because <clears throat> Lano in that offense that they have, um, you know, Quincy Prince and, and Case Kirkendall, that, that's a combo there for the, for the Jackets. And they, they needed some late heroics last week, but they got it done in a 35-31 win over San Saba. Um, very impressive win for Lano. Uh, like I said, I thought San Saba and the loss was impressive. Um, I think Lano's – ability to stretch the field with the passing game is going to give Ballinger problems as long as they can protect Kirkendall. Ballinger's got a really good defensive line, and if they get after Kirkendall and, and harass him and not let him, they don't allow him to push the ball downfield. I think that works into Ballinger's advantage, but I think if Lano can can protect Kirkendall, I think they've got enough offense to, uh, to get a win here and, and really kind of cement themselves as a real contender in 3A Division I Region 4. Yeah, if you go back-to-back with wins over San Saba and Ballinger, like that's, that's heady stuff. And for a program in Lano that it's just worth reminding has not been, you know, that is not, it's not been like this for a while. You know, they've, they've had, they've had their share of playmakers. They've had their share of of good teams, but not like this. And and there's a buzz around Lano right now, but they're going to have to go out there and earn it. And I, I think you're spot on that, you know, Ballinger, Ballinger is has been a Dave. They've been a darling of this podcast since the beginning. Uh, and by the way, a lot of their wins. You go back to that. Uh, you go back to that opening. Um, that opening week win over Jim Ned. That has aged pretty well. Um, and and this is not a team that I think is going to blow you away offensively. Um, you know, I would say you know Garrett Dixon, their running back, probably their best player. But what they do is is that that defense is just suffocating. They just they, they 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 suffocate you, and if they are, I think you're right. If the if the Lano offensive line can hold up, they can make a little bit of hay. And I do wonder, like for Ballinger, Ballinger's probably not built to chase. They don't they don't score very quickly. They're not they're not super high powered like offense. They're they're a team that wants to win games twenty four to. 14 you know if this game gets up into the 30s that's the danger zone for ballinger um and so yeah i think this is i think this is a really interesting matchup between two two teams that are quickly becoming kind of uh kind of darlings uh, out there kind of uh, teams that that are, are kind of on the periphery of, of of making that big move uh in, in ballinger Atlanta. that's a good pick stuff good job Thank you, sir. I appreciate right. it. That's a, it's, that's a good. It's it's not quite a hipster game because it's two it's two four no teams, but it's kind of an under the radar. I think because the big schools are playing this week, some of these good small school games are going to get overlooked a bit. I agree. I agree. All right, I'm going to bounce back up for my third pick to the big school, and I'm going to go with two teams that I think you can also file away into. Um, I don't want to say the mystery category. But at the very least, um, into teams that uh, we've certainly we, we certainly want to know more about, and that would be the number six team in five A Division One. That would be the Manville Mavericks taking on the number twenty six team in six A. That would be the Dickinson Gators. Um, well, you talk about two teams that are no strangers to having having stars and having athletes and having just like straight up dudes. And they've got a couple of them, but what I think is most interesting about both of these teams is, especially in week one, is man, graduation took a sledgehammer to these guys. 
I mean, both of these teams are going to have radically, radically different rosters uh, this year. Like, you know, for, for Dickinson, like they lose Mike Welch, who was so important uh, to what they do offensively. They lose so many guys on, on what was a really good and I think uh, uh, peaking late defense. Guys like Derek Martin and, and DJ Warnell and, 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 and Savion Arnett. They lose a lot of those guys. Manville, I mean, it seems like Manville graduates a huge class every year, but they did it again in like... Tucker Yarbrough's gone, and and Jalen Paxton's gone, and Donovan Eaglin's gone, and and Xavier Carter and Vincent Brown are gone, and like they got they got hammered, and so here you are in week one after a very strange offseason with guys who that's not to say they're not in, they're entirely wiped out. Manville's got Jordan Vaughn, who's a really who's a freight train running back, um, and then you know Dickinson's going to be I think pretty solid in the trenches or at least in the fronts with Keith Cooper uh, and, and with guys like Cannon Boone on the offensive line. But the thing is like, these are two teams that I'm just dying to get some data on because I don't know what they are in a lot of ways. Their preseason rankings are based on like just pedigree being there. But like, if you were basing it based on the returning like aspects of it, like the returning starters and stuff the the normal stuff that you, you do, um, but it would be hard to, to it would be hard to really figure these teams out. This is finally going to be a data point for two teams that really and truly could be contenders. We just don't know yet. And so finally we'll get to see these two teams on the field and we'll get to know a little bit about uh, what you know what exactly we're dealing with with both Mantle and Tickets. There's a lot of questions between these two teams. I you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, th- I think it's interesting to see which group of young players is going to step up in this game because there's so many new faces. Uh, I think Dickinson's got, a, you know, with their depth at running back does have a little bit of, a, of an edge and, and it's their depth overall being a larger school. I mean, Manville was a division two school last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking to my, my contacts at Manville, they really feel like that this, this group of young players they have is, is, is really special, but it's going to take them some time to kind of get, get matured and this is a really tough early season test against Dickinson team that always is kind of right there on the cusp in, in the Houston area. So um, I, I don't think, I think Manville and Temple are very, and the, the, this game mirrors the Longview Temple game in a yeah. lot of ways. I think we kind of know what Dickinson is. We kind of know what Longview is and we're still not sure about Temple. We're not sure about Manville. And I think this is going to be a good early season uh, litmus test. Well, and it, it, two teams that like, like we were talking about with Temple, it's like, if you want to talk about like a high ceiling, I mean, yeah, like look at the history. Look at what even even I mean, you, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are going to talk about what what Kirk Martin's done. I mean, heck, look at what uh, Kevin Hall's done. You know, he's 22 and 4 as their head coach. Like they've done great things. So, I am I'm I'm interested in this because I just want to see these two teams and and finally try to understand exactly what we're dealing with with two Houston area teams that are just perennial contenders. So, all right, that's my third pick. We're on to the round 4 and you have the board. Round four. Let me go. <sighs> Lots of good ones. I'll go back big school, and I'm going to go with a rivalry game that I will be at Thursday night in Denison, a game mm-hmm. you intended last year, mm-hmm. the Battle of the Axe, Sherman at Denison. And this, this, time is, at- this, is, this is one of those games that, like, and I hate to be all mushy, but, like, forget the game. Just go for the scene. Just go for like the 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 fact like that is I am I'm really interested in your report because like last year when I was at Dennis and Sherman it was in Sherman and like I mean pardon the pardon the French it was nut to butt 
You know what I mean? Like it was jam packed. Obviously, that is obviously that is not wise or recommended right now. So I'm I'm really interested to to, to see what your experience is there. Yeah, and and Dennis Munson Stadium is a little bit bigger. They, they can they'll they'll be able to spread out a little bit more and have it have a decent crowd um, on hand. Um, it's still a scene, and Munson Stadium is cool because it's right in the middle of downtown Denison. It's a it's a great place to, to watch a football game. Um, but you know this this rivalry game, you know you know Sherman's lost to Denison, I think seven or eight straight years. Yeah, um, it's it's been uh, six straight years. Excuse me, it's been a and Sherman's never lost that many years in a row to Denison. So. Uh, you know, I know Sherman feels like they've got a shot to win this game this year with the offensive firepower they have with Benji Omiebu, Tate Bethel, um, Jacoby Hunt, uh, a two-way player. Um, but Denison is this. This is it's now or never for Chad Rogers' squad. They bring 16 starters back. They've got Jadarian Price, who is the big-time recruit at running back. But Denison's got weapons all over the field. They 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 run that up-tempo running game uh, really to perfection. They, they're really good at it. And uh, the key for Denison, uh, the, the key matchup in this game is the Denison defense against the Sherman offense. I think Denison's going to score points, but I, I think the key is going to be if Denison can get a couple of stops. I'm not sure if they get Sherman kind of kind of like last year. They kind of got Sherman in a little bit of a hole in the second quarter, and Sherman was kind of playing catch up the rest of the way. Um I think that's going to be key, but, you know, in these rivalry games, you know, a big play on special teams, a key turnover uh, can definitely swing momentum. And I, and I know J.D. Martinez and the Sherman Bearcats want this one bad because it's been a while since they've had the ax um, to the south of, in Grayson County there. Yeah, and, and this, is, this is a game that, um, you know, we were really – I loved being out there. It was my first time being at, at the Battle of the Axe last year, and you could just – you know, it's it, all the things that are – you know, I go on and on. So all the things that are great about Texas high school football. I will say this. I think J.D. Martinez, does he have kids? I think so. I'm okay. not sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work under assumption. Let's, let's work under the assumption that J.D. Martinez has, has children. I, I'm pretty sure he would sell one of his children for the axe. I mean, this guy <laughs> wants it. Okay, you talked with him, and we were doing all these great. And I, I, I obviously don't mean that literally, but in talking with him before the see before the, the the in the lead up to the, to doing it last year, like he just talked about, he's like, man, if we could just get that stinking X, because he's never had it. That's the no. one team he can't beat, and yeah. and you know. Credit to Dennison. Dennison has had some great teams, and Coach Coach Rogers up there uh, does does a fantastic job with them. Coach Martinez is hungry, starving for that axe. They, it's it will be such a huge deal for Sherman if they can do it. Yeah. I think Denison's the favorite. I think Denison's just a little more well rounded this year. But I think in, in this in this winning streak that Denison's been on, I think this may be Sherman's best shot since in, in a few years. Yeah, they were they, they they were pretty young last year with Sherman. I think they're going to be a little bit better. But the question is, have they closed that gap quite enough? So that's an excellent excellent pick. All right. I am going to go to – I'm going to go to Billy Goodlow Stadium in right. beautiful Red Oak, Texas. And that is where you are going to find the number one team in 5A Division Two kicking off their season as the Ennis Lions visit the Red Oak Hawks. Michael Quintero, uh, his debut there for Red Oak. And a immediately a huge question. 
right? I mean, I mean, <laughs> talk about inheriting a, a, a quarterback controversy. Theoretically, um, he's one of the big one of the, the the big things that I know that this has been the longest, strangest, like most blur filled off season of all time. But hey, remember when the guy who started the six A Division One state championship game uh, for for Duncanville transferred? Yeah, transferred <laughs> like, to yeah, Chris Parson, the the quarterback from from Duncanville, who started that title game as a freshman, and and you know we thought acquitted himself pretty well. He transferred in the offseason to Red Oak, and and normally you'd be like, oh okay, well he's going to be the, the starter then. Well, here's the problem, and then by problem I mean to talk about good problems. They've got a great quarterback in Josh Irvin. Josh Irvin for for Red Oak was really really good last year. Uh, you know, like nothing to turn your nose up at. I mean, a guy who helped lead them to you know their best time best year in uh, their best season in, in years. And so, you know, and furthermore, this is not a low stakes decision on who to go with, whether you go with Parson or you go with Irvin, because everything else about this Red Oak team feels like it's ready to roll. Like everything else looks like a team pointed at like contention. I think the defense, defense, of course, which was fantastic last year, brings back seven starters, including guys like Darius Jackson and Jax Bailey. Um, the offense, you know, we mentioned Irvin, but whoever throws the ball, is going to be Raymond Gay, Raymond Gay uh, at the receiver spot. He was really, really dynamic for them last year. I've got a couple of youngsters they feel really good about, including the tight end, LaKelsey Johnson. From what we understand, because Pickle's doing this game for Fox, from what we understand, it's going to be Irvin, that Irvin's the guy. That makes sense. I mean, it's junior versus sophomore. Or I'm sorry, senior versus sophomore. Um, but that's, you know, that's certainly something I would not be a surprise to see Parson get maybe a little bit of run in this game oh, going sure. up, and, and regardless of who it is, they're going to be taking on one of the most, one of the nastiest front sevens in the state in, in, in Ennis. Like we, we, I know we had this conversation yesterday on Tep and Step about, um, about why, Ennis over Alito, and I think there's a reasonable argument either way. Uh, the biggest reason for me is is the front seven because that front seven with with Jervin Williams, I think it could be nasty. I mean, straight up nasty when you're talking about that front seven. Not to mention they've got a co- solid quarterback of their own, Colin Drake, who's coming back. So, look, this is there's a lot of intrigue around this game. I want to see how Ennis gets out of the blocks. Um, and if you're talking about, if you're talking about Ennis, like just really shutting down Red Oak, then you could be talking about like a team that, that, you know, they could, they could make us look really smart from putting them number one. Let's put it that way. Like they got that opportunity. Absolutely. And I, I think if, if they can get this win on the road against Red Oak and if they get it convincingly, I think that would really kind of send a shot across the bow in 5A division two, yeah. um, that they're, they're kind of justifying the number one ranking, but the same token, Red Oak comes out and they get a win over Ennis. All of a sudden now I think our, our justification for Red Oak uh, becomes yeah. a little bit stronger and that we think they're a contender to region one. I, I think this is a great measuring stick game. A couple of Ellis County rivals. These guys are old rivals. Ennis and Red Oak have been playing for years. Um, I think this is a really fun matchup to see where these two teams stand early. That's why I love these early non-district games because you can get a good sense of where these teams stand at least early in the year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So that is my fourth pick. Your fifth and final pick of the draft, Matthew. 
I think I'm going back to small school, and I think I'm going to go to I'm going to go to Spearman mm. District Opener as three and Childress who had their showdown with Shallow Water canceled last week, and I was very upset because that was supposed to be my game Friday night. As three and Childress visits. 4-0 Spearman, and I'll tell you what, Spearman is rolling right now. They they are putting up some numbers, and they are beating the brakes off of people. Um, Jack, uh, Their quarterback, um, Jack Wilkerson, running back Fabian Hernandez, are, are big-time players, but the real headliner is Brennan Thompson. This mm-hmm. is a kid at Spearman who's got offers from you know Alabama, Texas, Texas. I mean, he's got offers from everybody. The kid is a stud, and he he showed it last week with um, you know scoring a touch, two touchdowns rushing, a receiving touchdown, and he had an interception return for a touchdown. He's a unique playmaker at the 3A level that, that can that can really be a difference maker for the Lynx. Um, Childress, on the other, other hand, uh, you know they've been pretty dominant through three weeks. They they had to buy last week, unfortunately, but you know, I thought we would have gotten a good sense of where Childress stands um, after this week's game. But you know they didn't get to play it. So, um, but you know Colin Bishop and their wide receivers, Lamont Nickelberry, Devron Sims, are, are they're able to throw points up real quick. They can put up points in a hurry. They can do some damage in the passing game. I think the 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 key here is does Child- Ken Childress contain Thompson because if they can contain Thompson, I think they're better athletically at everywhere else uh, than Spearman. And I think they're better in the trenches. I think Thompson is the real X factor here. I don't think Childress um, has anyone who can answer what he does. So then it's a matter of how does Childress mitigate uh, Thompson and his ability to change the game. Um, I give the edge to Childress on the road here, but I think this is a really good early test to see if Spearman, because if Spearman gets this win, I think you start having serious discussions about moving them into the top 10. Yeah, I think I think that's that's absolutely right. And and for me, this is like this is a big is this is I'm trying to I'm trying to think think about this. Is this Spearman's biggest test of the, of the year? Um, I think it's got to be. Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean they, they've they've beaten Stratford and that's a good win. I want to be clear. It's a good win. It's a three over two. But Stratford's a good, good team. And then, yeah, Sanford, Fritch, Dalhart, and Vega. So, like, their best wins are over 2A teams. Like, Vega, Vega's a 2A team. And, that, you know, it's a good win. They beat the brakes off them. You know, Childress is 3-0, and and I think it's fair to say, you know, they they you know they beat Panhandle. That was a really good win for them, but also over 2A. They beat a 4A in Perryton, but Perryton's right in the struggle bus a little bit. Here's the interesting thing about, about this, this game. You want to talk about a 1-2 punch. Spearman has Childress... And then Canadian, back to back weeks. Back to back, yep. Uh, that's uh, that is what I would. Uh, I'm I'm really interested in is is because I mean this could be very quickly, like in the over the next two weeks when we are recording this podcast two weeks from now, um, we could be talking about Spearman who is going into a bye week, pretty much already clinching the district championship. All due respect to Amarillo Highland Park, Dimmit. Friona and Tulia, who've already done it, or a team that is now like, oh, don't screw it up, don't spit the bit. Like that's this is a big starting point here for 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 Spearman. That if you're a contender, if you're a legit contender, you at least split these games. Like that's that's the thing for me is that if you're a legit contender, you at least get a split in these games. They go two and zero, then it's like okay, like we're teasing number one, number two there at that point. But yeah, this is this is a really fascinating matchup that you know Spearman Spearman their first big test uh, of the year, and, and we'll find out a lot about them. So good pick, good pick. All right, I'm gonna round out the draft. 
by going. Let me make sure I get this right. Here is this game. I always do this. I know. I do. Um, this game is oh, is in Matt Step. Let's go to. Com uh, is that right? Uh, yeah. Let's go to Indian Stadium in beautiful Comanche County, Comanche High School, as the Indians of Comanche. Undefeated, quietly, quietly undefeated. They survived Matt Stepp's visits. I visited Comanche in June. I talked to Cole Tremsmeyer in June. They yeah. survived my, my tour of destruction, apparently. Boy, good for them. You know, that's, that's tough. That's tough. But I'm <laughs> proud to see them come out the other side. Comanche gets a, is it fair to say, suddenly reeling Cisco team? Um, You know, look. Now, now, here's the thing. There are two losses on the year. Or you can make a real argument that they don't have a bad loss. Like they played at Wall. Wall's been great. It's a big three A team, and then they lost to Jim Ned, and Jim Ned has been great it's too. Another big three A team. I don't think Jim Ned. I can live with the loss to Wall. Yeah, the Jim Ned loss concerns me a little bit because they lost by nineteen. You know, if they lose that game by a touchdown, okay, Jim Ned just had a little bit more depth. I mean, Jim Ned kind of kind of took it to him a little bit, beating him by 19 points. And I don't think Jim Ned is an elite 3A Division One good team. Wall is an elite, elite 3A Division One team. I, don't, I agree with that. I don't put Jim Ned in that category. So I'm a little concerned uh, about the margin in that game. So on one hand, Comanche's 4-0, but if you want to look at their schedule with a little bit of side-eye, I think that's fair. Because their wins are, the, at the beginning, remember the early going, Week one, they went to Mason and won, and we were like, "Whoa, look at them!" And then it turns out that's not that's not necessarily uh, out of the ordinary. They beat Brady early in Tolar. Now they've beaten them impressively. I mean, this is a team that is giving up five points a game. They've given up twenty points all year. They've been very, very good defensively. And the offense, look, uh, offense is not. I don't think the offense would be de de uh, described as sexy, but. They get the job done on the ground. Logan Wilkerson, Luke Wilson, they run the ball well. And when they need to throw it, you know, Hudson Welch has been sound. He's been solid. He's thrown to uh, to Coach Hermsmeyer's son out there, uh, Bryce, and, and they've been very, very good. Well, here's their biggest test of the year going up against Cisco. And a Cisco team that you can certainly say has been through the ringer. They've gone through. They've played a, they played a, a tougher schedule. But look. I'll just be honest. That offense has has uh, a, a history of just kind of no showing. Like it just kind of doesn't doesn't show up at the stadium. Um, they're you know they they look they look good basically in 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 one game offensively. Like they looked really good in their opener against Clyde. Since then, eh, you know it's it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, it's been they've they've had some struggles for sure. They've had some struggles. They've so struggles. can and especially against a defense that's feeling it. Can they wake up? Can they get something going offensively? Can they get, uh, you know, now it's worth remembering that they are relying on a lot of sophomores, including a sophomore quarterback and Hunter Long. They're asking to do a lot. They, that, that offense tends to ask the quarterback to do a lot. Mm -hmm. um, can they get that offense rolling? This is, I believe, the final. Let me make sure I'm not speaking out of my butt. I know this is Cisco's last non-district game. Yeah, it's final, as well. Yeah, final non-district game for both teams. Um, you want to talk about like if you're Comanche and you go into it five and zero, knowing that look Eastland's still on the horizon and they're better than their record indicates. Jacksboro's still on the horizon. That's a team that I think has been on the rise lately. They're always Jacksboro is always a pain in the ass too. Yeah, like, pain. They are just a pain to play. They're they're yeah. tough. Brandon Rogers' squad is tough. So you go in five and zero, 
you're kind of you're you're walking out with your you're walking in with your chest out. Say, come get yeah. some. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cisco, this is an opportunity to get the wheels back on before a bye week, and then you're into a district that you know the good thing for them is that it's a little bit backloaded. They open with Winters and Dillion, but then uh, they finish at San Saba. Like, yeah. you gotta figure it out quickly. I- I'm really interested in this final non-district tune-up. I agree. This is, this is this is the kind of you know I I don't want to say we're at a fork in the road for Cisco, but I think this is kind of an interesting spot for Cisco just to see where where they go from here because I think if they lose this game, I think you kind of drop Cisco from that that elite discussion into a Division One at least for the time being, and I think if they win this game, I think they revalidate themselves and kind of make up for the loss to Jimnet. Comanche, on the other so, hand, I think this is going to be this is like this 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 would be their signature win in non district for sure. Oh, oh, absolutely! This would be this would be this would be a hang your hat on type win. Yes, to get them at home. Really, really interested in this. So that's the draft. Step took North Shore, Shadow Creek, Longview Temple, Ballinger, Lano, Denison, Sherman, and Spearman Childress. I took Arlington, Martin, Denton, Ryan, Gilmer, Carthage, Dickinson, Manville, Red Oak, Ennis, and Comanche. Cisco. It is now time for what you all wait all week for, which is the hipster game of the week. Matt, with an expanded roster of games, you you can really stretch your hipster legs here. I can, uh, I can. What is your hipster game of the week? I'm going to kind of stay in the general DFW area and go to the 4A level as 4A Division Two as 4-0 Aubrey visits 3-0 Caddo Mills. In a game that I think uh, both of these teams are are under the radar, even though they're undefeated. I think both teams, this is kind of their first real test against someone. Cattle Mills probably has the best win of, of, of the of those seven wins between these two as they beat Gainesville in the opener. Uh, Tyler Townley has just put up insane numbers. Uh, this year for, for Cattle Mills, um, they their game last week was 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 canceled due to COVID. Um, Aubrey's four and zero. They almost had a game canceled, but kind of got one scheduled late with Kaufman and beat the brakes off of Kaufman that night. So um, I think this is a real good litmus test for both of these teams to kind of see going into district play. You know, is Aubrey a team that if they get this win, can Aubrey challenge potentially ch- challenge Salina in district four, four, a division two while in five, four, a or no six, four, a division two, if cattle mills gets this win, do we start talking about cattle mills as a legitimate challenger to the district favorite Sunnyvale? So um, really interested to see how this game shapes up and, and, and keeping an eye on the, on these two, uh, potential contenders in 4A uh, Division Two. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, that's a good pick. Uh, I, I think that, that is, uh, that's a game that I will have my eye on. Um, and, and you're right. At this point, once you're into the season 4-0, 3-0, like, you can't hide from great teams forever. And so one of these teams, I think, is going to uh, come away uh, feeling, uh, feeling pretty good about themselves and, and feeling, remaining undefeated. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Matt Stepp. I can't believe that I'm going to out-hipster you. Uh-oh. But here I am, out-hipstering you. Oh, boy. Matt, step, let me make sure I get this right. Okay. Here it is. Oh, no. Where is it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, boy. I'm not going to add this. I'm try- I want to see where this game is. Okay. Just says it's away. I don't know where it is. Maybe you can tell me. Matt, step, it's going down. 7 o'clock. Thursday night. I guess this is right. Do I have this right? Matt Step. I'm taking Pasadena Sam Rayburn. And I believe they are playing Houston Wisdom in the opener. Is that correct? 
Uh, I don't think Wisdom is playing this week. Oh, I don't crap. think Houston. Oh no! Houston. No, I'm sorry. I've got this wrong. I've got the I've got the information right here. We don't have to edit this out, which is good because I'm not going to edit it. Matched up, it's going down six o'clock Saturday at Tully Stadium. Uh, the yes. Sam Rayburn Texans take on the Springwoods Tigers, and you're probably thinking, Tepper, have you have you caught Matt Step disease? What are you doing <laughs> watching this game? Matt Step, perhaps you know. We talked about them yesterday, but Pastina Rayburn, they've been they've been in a tough way recently. They've been in a tough way. They have. Right? They have. They have at present the state's fourth uh, fourth longest losing streak. They've lost twenty eight in a row. Okay. Matt Step, this is the week. It's happening. I'm not, only, I'm, I'm, not only saying, I'm not only saying this is the hipster game of the week. Matt Step, I'm saying it's happening. I think DeMond Stafford gets this team the win. They are loaded offensively. They've got Brandon Aguirre back from the, uh, his third year at the, as a starter. They're a, a team that is hungry, a team that is ready. I'm not only putting in the call for the hipster game of the week. I'm putting in the call for the win. Pasadena Rayburn snaps its 28-game losing streak, and you see a you see a a one and one and Texan squad. Rayburn gets the win. By the way, Rayburn has a great helmet. By the way, yes, I they love do. Their helmet. That's an awesome helmet. By the way, so yes. All right, well, Rayburn. I guarantee you that if Rayburn wins, either Demond Stafford will be coach of the week, or they'll be team of the week. Yes. One, yes. one or the other. The computer does. I will say this: computer has Rayburn favored. By yeah. Door. yeah. So it could happen, guys. You gotta believe. You gotta believe. I'm going with I'm going with Pasadena Rayburn. I think they I think they get the very close win and we're celebrating on and, and I get to look really smart on this podcast. So there I you love go. It. That's my pick. All right. Uh that's gonna do for us. Oh, uh, tell us uh no, I guess you at this point you well, can I, can tell, I can tell the people where I'm going, right? Yeah, tell people where you're going. Uh, Thursday I'll be at uh, Sherman Denison uh in Denison, Thursday night. Uh, Friday, I'll be at AT&T Stadium for the uh, doubleheader. Um, Arlington Martin, Denton Ryan, Longview Temple. Uh, and then Saturday, I'll be spending the day at um, Globe Life Park. So my first high school football games at Globe Life Park. We got a triple header. Um, Arlington Seguin and Fort Worth Wyatt. Alito and Weatherford. And Colleyville Heritage and Grapevine. So six games this weekend. Wow, gotta love it. That's, that's my kind of weekend. That's my kind of weekend. That's a val- That's a value shopper. Oh, yeah. um, I of course will be doing the Fox things, although it is different because we're doing the um, uh, the football days, and so the games that we will have reporters out at games. Katie Angleson will be at Shadow Creek North Shore if that game doesn't get moved. Um, Pickle's going to be at Ennis and Red Oak. Lauren Blackwell's going to be at Carthage and Gilmer. Edward Egros is going to be at uh, Lexington and Franklin, which is an underrated game we maybe should have uh, chosen. Paige Schnorbach will be at another underrated game, although I don't know if you can be underrated when you're the number one team. Flatonia and Shiner. Um, and then Austin Ivan will be at Strawn and Westbrook. Big-time six-man matchup down there in 1A Division One. So... There you have it. That is your week five preview edition of Tep and Step. Please celebrate high school football responsibly and tell your friends to become a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. Uh, yeah, Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. Right at an hour and two minutes. Nice, nice podcast. See you next week on Tep and Step. Bye. Bye.